uh, deep, deep listening, though, the, the expression deep listening is making a really important point, and that is that, that uh, often our listening is at the surface of things. Uh, we, we hear what we want to hear. We hear um, uh, what, what we expect to hear. And uh, sort of listening uh, deeper than that is, gives a skill that has, has to be learned. Uh, otherwise, we're just kind of hearing ourselves talk. And uh, uh, there's lots of spiritual practices that, that help with that, learning how to listen deep. Um, and um, some, some of them are, are quite challenging, I think, but they are the stuff that any uh, real re relationship needs, and certainly any spiritual relationship. This sort of, uh, you know, if, if you find that you always already know what God's going to say before you listen, you're probably listening at the surface of things. Most of us, uh, early on in life, find out that there is a significant difference between hearing and listening. For those of us who are able to hear, hearing is a physical experience that we have almost no control over. You can either hear someone or something or you can't. But listening, for every single one of us, whether we can hear or not, is an emotional, a, a spiritual experience that you and I have quite a bit of control over. I mean, some of us in this room utilize hearing aids. Every single one of us in this room needs to develop listening aids. And we know that. This morning we're going to be continuing in our series on what it means to be resurrection people. Last week we talked about having resurrection eyes, and this morning we're going to be exploring what it means to be people who listen, I mean really listen, with a new set of ears. Right? Now all of us have experienced awkward moments where someone's been talking to us and suddenly they stop and they ask, are you listening to me? Now, there are times when someone asks that question, and we actually have been listening to them, we're just for some reason or another, we haven't been giving them feedback where they know that we're listening to them. And so we're, we're blessed in those times to be able to say, yes, I, I have been listening to you. And, and we get to prove that to them. We get to comfort them by repeating back to them the, the message that they've been trying to share with us. But there are other times, unfortunately many other times, when someone has been talking to us for a few minutes and they stop and they ask, are, are you even listening to me? And we're suddenly kind of washed over with this irritated embarrassment because there's only one honest answer we can give. And so we grudgingly admit, no, no, I haven't been listening to you. Can you, can you start over? Now, there are all kinds of reasons that that happens when somebody's talking to us, and we might be hearing them, but we're not actually listening to them. A lot of it's distraction, right? Sometimes we're, we're distracted by our own thoughts. Sometimes we're distracted by something that, that they say early on and what they're talking about, and our mind goes off in a different direction. Sometimes we're distracted by the TV or the radio or the computer or our phones. Sometimes we're distracted by somebody else who's in the car or in the room or in the, in the house or in the office. 
sometimes we're, we're not really listening because we think we've heard it all before. We've had this exact conversation countless times before with this person, and so we stop listening because we think we know what we're going to hear. But, but no matter why we're not listening in the moment, the painful truth is we're not actually listening to somebody who's trying to say something to us. Worse, sometimes we're not actually listening to somebody who's trying to share something with us, something deep, something real, something that might be really hard for them to share with us or anyone else, and they open themselves up and they start to speak, and there's nobody there. There are few things in life that hurt more than being ignored. We know because we've all experienced it at one time or another. There, there are few things in life that hurt more than being overlooked. There are few things in life that are as painful as not being listened to. And it's because we know somewhere deep in our hearts that in order to love, we have to listen. And in order to experience being loved, we have to be listened to. We know it. And so when it doesn't happen, when that, when that element of the experience of being with somebody else is missing, something inside of us breaks. They don't care. They're not really with me. They don't really understand me. They, they don't really have the ability or maybe worse, the desire to stop and slow down and deeply listen to what I'm trying to say to them. Distraction, something in our world and in most of our lives that, that is so hard for us to get away from. That's one of the key reasons we don't listen to people, even the people that we care about. But it's, it's not the only reason. There's another reason that I think at times is harder to get over than distraction. The reason is disagreement. We don't listen to other people who are speaking to us because we don't agree with what they're saying to us. There are even times where we preemptively don't listen to people because we're pretty sure that what they're going to say is something that we're not going to agree with. And so we throw up shields. We pick up the phone. We do something else to just get through a a conversation with somebody that we're, we're pretty sure we don't want to have. Now, we don't say that all the time. We, we don't actually point that out to people. We just kind of try to, to let them talk. And their words fall to the floor. They don't ever enter into our hearts. We don't actually listen. And when that happens, when we make the decision that I, I don't agree with you, we don't think the same, we don't look the same, we don't live the same, so when you start to talk, I'm not really going to give you any space in my heart for your words to find a home. When that happens, immediately we create distance between us and the person who's trying to talk to us. And that distance, the distance between us and people who don't look like us or think like us or maybe live like us, it eventually becomes distrust. And distrust always eventually becomes destruction. And not just the destruction of the people that we we see as our enemies or people we don't agree with. It's always our mutual destruction. And last time I checked, the resurrection is the opposite of destruction. 
Right? The resurrection is more powerful than destruction. The resurrection and the resurrection alone has the power to give us a hope that is stronger than our fear of the unknown in somebody else. The resurrection and the resurrection alone is, is able to give us a hope that is stronger than anything that might turn our lives into something that is all about us protecting ourselves from others. The resurrection and the resurrection alone can help us to try to open our hearts to people who we know we know from experience we don't yet understand. Jesus' brother, James, writes a letter that's in the New Testament, and he talks about the importance of us finding a way back to one another. Finding a way back to one another, even when we know that, that there are significant things that separate us right now, and even though we're afraid that even when we get back together, we may not know how to get along. If you got your Bible, open up to James chapter 1. We'll be reading together starting in verse 19. James writes, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because our anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Those who listen to the word but do not do what it says are like people who look at their faces in a mirror and then after looking at themselves, go away and immediately forget what they look like. But those who look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continue in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Everyone, James says, should be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to become angry, because our anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The resurrection of Jesus makes all things new. Not some things, all things. Not a part of our lives, all of our lives. The resurrection of Jesus becomes our resurrection and recreates us. Last week we explored the way that, that God gives us resurrection eyes, helping us see people, not through a lens of, of doubtful suspicion, but instead seeing people through a lens of hopeful anticipation of who they can become in Christ. And today as we listen to the words of James we find that the resurrection not only seeks to change how we see one another, but how we hear, how we listen to one another, and more than that, why we listen to one another. Because of the resurrection, we no longer listen just to agree. We listen now to understand to understand where someone is really coming from, to understand who they really are, who they've been, who they want to be, to get a real sense of their, their best intentions and their brightest dreams. And brothers and sisters, I know that even after listening with that kind of heart, there will be times when somebody's trying to, to talk to us, communicate with us, and we will find that 
that we still don't see eye to eye with some really important things to us. But that's, that's okay. It, it's okay because we're not listening in order to just find something that they say that we can either, either label clearly as, as something that's good or bad, right or wrong. That's, that's not what's happening. We're trying, we're, we're trying to open our hearts in such a way that as they speak to us, we receive them. Not some fantasy version of who we want them to be. We see them. And we receive them. And we try to find something, something inside of someone else that we can relate to. Because look, as, as many things as there are, and there are things in our world that would, would cause separation between us, underneath all of that, Every time in my life I've ever found the courage through the Holy Spirit to just stop talking and, and listen to somebody with my whole heart, when that happens, I find that while there may be some things that still separate us, there are deeper things that connect us. There are deeper things that hold us together. But they're never on the surface. And they never come when I listen on the surface. They, they, they never reveal themselves to me when I listen on the surface. They only emerge when I'm able to listen truly and deeply. Not just to the words that somebody else is, is saying. Not, not that. I, I find myself often in arguments with people and, and I pick apart their words. That's not, that's not deep Listening. That's not the kind of listening that James is talking about. That's not resurrection listening. We, we don't trap people by the words that they use. No, we, we try with graciousness to listen to what they're trying to say with those words, what they're trying to say underneath those words. We're trying, in other words, to listen to somebody and their heart. That takes a lot of patience. It, it takes a lot of effort. Everyone, James says, should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because our anger does not produce the kind of righteousness that God desires. Now, I'm not saying anything you haven't heard before. I'm, I'm not saying anything you haven't heard a hundred times before. But see, here's the thing. We all relate to the person that James describes when he says they go and they look in the mirror and they kind of see the truth about themselves and then they walk away and they forget it just moments later. We, we know that the purpose of listening is connection. We know that the purpose of, of speaking and listening is, is for us to find a way to relate to one another in redemptive and healing ways. We know that. But our world forgets it. And if we're going to be honest, I think you and I know that we forget it too. Have, have you noticed, especially those of you who are of a certain age, <laughs> that we are currently living in a time where we, we have more option than any other time in history to only listen to what we want to listen to? Have you noticed that? I mean, it's true with music. When I was growing up, you had favorite bands, and I saved up my allowance money, and I went to Tower Records, and I bought the album. 
And I didn't like all of the music equally on the album. Usually I'd like one or two songs more than any other song, but I bought the whole album because that was the only way I was going to get to listen to the songs I really liked. And, and when I would listen to the whole album over time, I would find that I, I really liked the whole album. But now you, you go to a computer, you type in just the songs you know you already like, and they're right there. And you listen to them. And unless somebody else points out new music to you, you're, you're only going to listen to the stuff you know you already like. It's true with the news, isn't it? When I was growing up, you had three basic choices. Tom Brokaw, Peter Jennings, or Dan Rather. Very similar, relatively. Reporting the news, and they'd have, you know, slightly different tones to what they were talking about, but they actually said out loud that they were trying to be objective. None of us ever perfectly succeeds at that, but at least they were trying to be objective, right? Just tell the news. Now, you get to pick out of all kinds of specialty news channels, you turn it on, and you already know what they're going to tell you before they tell you. And it's comforting. It's like chicken fried steak and gravy, right? It's, you know what you're in for. A short life if you're not careful. You know what you're in for, right? So you turn it on and it feels like coming home. And they say exactly what you want them to say about all the events in the world and exactly the way you want to hear it. And you know while you're watching it that somebody else half a world away is probably picking a different cable news channel and they're talking about the same exact stuff that's happening, but they're talking about it in completely different ways. But lucky you, you don't ever have to hear that news channel because you can stay with your own and they don't ever have to jump over to yours. It's true with our social lives. Or maybe I should say our social media lives. Because we live in a world now where you can stay connected to somebody, and if they say something that you don't like, if, if they share an idea that frustrates you or they're pushing a political agenda that you don't agree with, you can hide their comments. You can still see their vacation pictures and not have to think about the fact that you're thankful that you don't have Thanksgiving together. Right? You, you have choice. You can edit what you know about somebody else, or at least what you have to be exposed from their heart and their mind. You unfriend them. And that's a sad term when there's a button. You unfriend or you unfollow. And then you're polite when you have to, have to run into them somewhere in real life. We get to choose. We, we get to to select, we get to edit more than any other time in history. And so you and I could go through, we could go through a whole week and only listen to what we want to listen to. Now, you might think that that would mean that our world is more peaceful. You, you might think that when you're able to self-select the ideas and the people that, that you spend time listening to, there would be fewer arguments and less conflict. But it turns out the opposite is true because we don't get to live in cable TV and the internet all the time. And so they can't keep us in spaces and with people who we know before we start to talk and listen, we already identify with and agree with. And so suddenly we have to come outside of these careful 
areas of life that are, are exactly what we expect them to be, and, and we find that we are forced to share space, share life. We're, we're, we're forced to, to share rooms and offices and neighborhoods and cities and a nation and a world with, we have to share churches with people that when they talk, make our blood pressure go up. When they talk, scare us. When they talk, they unsettle us. When they talk, they say things that we haven't heard for a long time and we don't understand because they say and they think things that that we don't ever say or think, or at least that's how it seems. And because we have less and less practice in sharing life with people we disagree with, when we're forced into close proximity, things can get real (coughs) real ugly real fast. Because unless we're listening expecting beforehand that we're going to be affirmed by what the other person says and how we think already, how we see the world already. That's one way to listen. It's our preferred way to listen. It's called no risk listening. Right? You're not going to teach me anything. You're not going to point anything out to me. You're not going to ask me to be different or think different or see different. You're just going to say what I already what I already say and think. Okay, that's one position, but there's another position. And to me, these are far, far away from each other, and yet we tend to ping-pong back and forth between these extremes. I listen expecting to be affirmed on one hand, or I listen expecting to be offended. Affirmed or offended. And I make that choice within a couple of seconds of somebody talking. Now, it might sound crazy to say that we would listen expecting to be offended, but if you look at the way Christians as a whole are relating to the world as a whole, you'd have to admit that there's quite a few of us that seem like we're addicted to this sense of being offended when somebody else talks, and it's not what we want them to say. David Dark, a a Christian author, has kind of made up a term that we're going to borrow for the next couple of seconds. The term is offendedness. And this is what he says. The feeling of offendedness is invigorating. Feeling offended summons a sense of being in the right, a certain strength, a kind of power, an espresso shot of righteous indignation. It feels good to be offended. It feels empowering to be offended. It feels righteous to be offended. But he says, an easy offendedness is not righteousness. It's not righteousness, even though it often feels like it. 2,000 years before David Dark ever tried to express this idea, James, the brother of Jesus, knew it and warns us about it. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to become angry because our anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, James clearly isn't speaking in general terms about anger here. There are too many places in Scripture where God gets angry at the state of the world. God gets angry at the way people treat one another. God gets angry at the way people refuse to listen to one another. There are times God gets angry. There are times Jesus gets angry. 
And you and I, as followers of Jesus, are going to find that as our hearts are shaped more and more into the image of Jesus, the things that make God angry will be the things that make us angry. But I think James would say, that's not your petty anger. That, that, that's not your selfish anger. That is you sharing in God's anger. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about something that, that David Dark calls an easy offendedness. That that kind of anger, it never brings about the righteousness that God desires. Now, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. The term righteousness in Scripture is less about an individual status, and it's more about the world being made right again, relationships being made right again. So it makes sense, then, that James would say, when you refuse to really listen to one another, when you listen expecting to be offended by one another, it's never going to make the world right again. It's never going to make relationships right again because you can't hear each other. You refuse to hear each other. The only way the world's going to be made right again, the only way we're going to partner with God in making the world right again, the only way you and I are going to experience the kind of righteousness that God desires is for us to listen and to listen to one another in a way that God listens to us. To listen to one another into free speech. To listen one another into a place of trust. To listen one another to a place where we put down the shields and, and we, put, we put down all the things that we think are going to keep us safe from one another. And we make the decision that what we're most in danger of is the fact that we don't know each other enough to trust one another. Listening has the power to heal the brokenness in our world. And, and that is so important because every single person in this room can listen that way. The deaf people in this room can listen that way. We can all listen, giving other people the benefit of the doubt and not holding them to every single word they say, but trying with grace and hope to hear what they're saying underneath those words, to hear what they're saying by heart. Oh, it's, it's been a little over a week now um, that I had the, the privilege of, of getting to sit in a room with our elders and listen to them share the story of their spiritual journeys. Robert Oglesby led us in that experience. We, we blocked out five hours of a Saturday for a leadership retreat, and all we did for five hours was listen. Now, I'm thinking several of you would think that wasn't a good use of five hours of a Saturday. And I got nervous early on after Robert explained, this is what we're going to do with our time today. We're going to listen to each other's stories. I thought, okay, who... Who in the room is going to struggle with feeling like this is worth our time, that it's worthwhile? And I'm guessing all of us, right at the beginning, we were, we were wondering, okay, when does, when does the slideshow start with the strategies and all the other stuff that you're supposed to talk about at a leadership retreat? Those were never going to come out because it took that long to listen. And I got to tell you, at the end of the day, I was exhausted. Because it wasn't surface listening, it was deep listening. When you ask somebody, share with me your journey of faith. And here's the thing, we only gave each other 10 minutes. 
People were, were telling the highlights of their spiritual journey in 10 minutes. And I got to tell you, after five hours, we left that room more unified than I have ever been with any leadership at any church. And you know why we were listening? Because who we are matters more than what we think. Who we are matters more than how well we can speak. Who we are needs to be heard. And it takes somebody to sit down and say, I'm ready to listen. And I'm not embarrassed to tell you, there wasn't just laughter. There were moments of of tears. There, There were moments of truth spoken that couldn't have been spoken and heard in any other place. I learned things about every single one of our elders that I would not have learned unless we created space to truly listen. And I'm not taking any credit for that. I'm going to give all that credit to Robert Oglesby for thinking through this is what we should do. But it reminded me, right, that we, we listen to remember. That of all the things that could divide us, of all the things that could separate us, that underneath, that there are deeper things that we hold in common. Things that connect us. Hopes and, and dreams and fears and anxieties and one another. The things that hold us together and hold us to God. We, brothers and sisters, we have to find in a world that is filled with too much talking, to be the ones who listen and, and listen with resurrection ears, listen with our hearts, listen the way God wants us to listen, listen the way God listens to each one of us. See, listening, it, it's not just worthwhile, it's worth giving. It, it gives somebody worth and dignity and honor When you put the phone down or you turn the TV off or you switch the radio off and you look them straight in the eye and you say, for the next 10 minutes, for the next 15 minutes, for the next hour, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. Tell me who you are, who you want to be, who you've been, where you've been. Tell me. And somehow in that invitation, the world is made new. So we go out this week, and a lot of times preachers preach sermons, and then they give you things that you've got to try to do that's so, so difficult, and you think, I'm not sure I'm up to it. You're up to this. Create space this week to sit down with somebody and listen, and trust that God will use that decision to bring healing to the brokenness in our lives. We're going to sing together now, and as we do, our shepherds and their wives are going to be standing in various places in this room. In fact, I'm going to ask our shepherding couples to start to get up now so that people can see where you'll be. There to listen, to hear you, to pray with you, to listen to God with you. And so if you came this morning and you need the gift of Christian community, go go to these couples together. We stand and sing.